So we're in the heart of the Christmas season, and you know, as a pastor, you recognize that the month of December really should be devoted to the Christmas story. Uh, And this week, we're going to talk about Mary. We spoke about Joseph last week, uh, and on Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about the shepherds. Uh, But today, we're going to speak about Mary, an incredible story. Uh, And here you have Jesus, the gift from God, coming and bringing hope and light to a lost world, uh, and to save humanity in this incredible gift. And this dear 14-year-old girl, chosen by God because of her heart, because of her faith, because of submission, uh, and she would become the bearer, the physical bearer of Jesus Christ in this world and would join with Joseph to raise Jesus. It's an incredible story. And so this 14-year-old girl will have received the greatest message in the history of the world. Her reaction, you see, to the message will give us tremendous lessons today as to how God wants us to live, how the importance of faith is in our lives, uh, how important it was in the first century church, and how important it is very much so even today. Now, the, the reaction of Mary uh, and the story to the angel Gabriel is best told by the great historian Luke. Really, Luke is one of the greatest historians in the history of the world. If you study the Bible, you will see what he has written in Luke, the entire book of Luke, and then in Acts as this great historian who would really go out of his way to get the facts straight. And I am convinced, as are other theologians, that he had first-hand interviews with Mary. First-hand interviews with Mary. You know, Mary lived probably 30 or 40 years after Jesus died on the cross. Uh, She moved to Ephesus with John the Apostle. And there, I'm sure that Luke had an opportunity to have extensive interviews with her. And if you see the story that he lays out for us in Luke, you can recognize that this is a first-hand interpretation. He got it directly from the person who was involved. And so look, if you would, on the board to Luke chapter 1, verse 25. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and that is her cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And now notice already the key points being given to you. Uh, She is a young woman uh, dedicated to be married to Joseph, and she is a virgin. This story is all about the importance of her virginhood because you understand without her being a virgin, Everything that we stand for collapses. And this is important for us to understand this. That is the importance of the Christian faith, that it all began with a virgin as God performed this miraculous work. And so the angel, verse 28, went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Can you imagine? 
a 14-year-old girl being told, you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid. And you know, every time an angel appears uh, in the Bible, humanity gets afraid because typically they're, they're enormous beings. And I'm sure this 14-year-old girl was the same way, but she, she submitted and controlled herself and heard this miraculous message, you have found favor with God. And so what the angel had said to her was that she had found favor with God and had been chosen for the greatest honor God would give to any human being, the right to bear and raise his son, the very son of God himself. Uh, God must have bestowed incredible grace upon her, and certainly she must have been an outstanding Jewish woman. But at the same time, she was an ordinary girl. Yes, she had extraordinary characteristics, but she was an ordinary woman, Jewish woman of the lineage of David. And look at what God has done here. He's taken two people and joined them together, both coming out of the lineage of David. Uh, And so it's important for you to leave here today knowing that God chose ordinary people. You understand? He didn't go to the high priests. He didn't go to the temple. He didn't go to the very high workers within the temple. He didn't go to the religious elite. He didn't go to the Pharisees, but he went to a common, lowly woman, just like he went to a common, lowly carpenter. That's how God works. You see, he looks at the heart. He looks to see of your, your obedience and your submission and your faith, and that's how God works. And so the sermon point for you here, first of all, is this, how typical of God to choose an ordinary woman, just as he chose an ordinary man in Joseph. Now, most con- contemporaries confirm the fact that she was about 14 years old, uh, and that was the age at which most women in that culture got married. She probably had no idea as to what to think with this message, but to her credit, she didn't melt into a quivering mess. And that gives you insights into the kind of characteristic this woman had. All right? Other verses suggest that she was a thoughtful and serious Jewish woman. I will submit to you that this girl knew the scriptures. She came out of a sect that studied the scriptures, and it's very clear here that she knew them. So the angel continues and is quoted in Luke 1, 31 to 38, and we have it again on the screen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word of God will ever fail. Her response, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your words to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. What an incredible response. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be so 
What a message that is to me today as we walk with God. Servanthood. Lord, let me be your servant. Let me do what you want me to do. Let me be open to your will. Because when you see that, you understand that that's exactly how God wants you to act. Now, her response, you see, was significantly different from the response of Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, who, when told by the angel Gabriel, you're going to have a son, mocked the angel and said, are you kidding me? I'm an old man. My wife is an old man. This is impossible. (laughs) Well, let me give you another tip. Don't talk like that to an angel. (laughs) Don't talk like that to an angel. Because what happened? He said, because you didn't believe me and the message of God, I'm striking you mute and you will be mute the entire pregnancy until that baby is born. Oh, wow. Uh, And so you see the difference in the humble, obedient response of Mary. I am the Lord's servant. Uh, And that's an important sermon point for us. This is an amazing statement and resonates to us down through the centuries today. Let it be according to your word. What a way to live our lives. Lord, let it be according to your word. Whatever you bring to me, Lord, whatever it is, whether it's the good things or the things that are not so good, let it be according to your word. Let me live, Father, and lead the way you want me to live in the the kingdom of God in such a way. And so Mary didn't possibly understand all these things. I'm sure she didn't. But yet she was fully obedient and submissive to God. And that's the message for us today. Submission and obedience to God even when we don't understand what's happening to our life. This is the kind of childlike faith that God wants us to have, that combined with obedience. And she understood the will of God. She understood because she knew the scriptures. She understood that. And in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the apostle Paul gives you insight as to how to understand the will of God. And the the passage is on the screen, uh, and it's just as important today as it was when it was uttered 2,100 years ago. Uh, He gives us clear directions on how we are to know God's will. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, this passage speaks to us today. This is how you are to live your life. Make your body a living sacrifice. Conform your body to the will of God. Resist the temptations of the world. Be transformed by the power of God. And when you live like this, when you walk like this, when God sees that in your life, he will be able to speak to you and you will know immediately it's the word of God. I can tell you that that's a fact in every way, even from the formation of this church. I knew within a few days uh, of the exit from my prior church that when God spoke to me, I knew immediately, immediately that this was his will uh, because I had been prepared. I'd been prepared for 25 years, you understand. Uh, And God spoke to me and I knew it. And that's the message for you today. Be prepared. 
Conform yourself to the will of God. And so the sermon point I have for you here is this. We must, like Mary, present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice and not transformed by the world. In other words, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, into its way of operation. Instead, stay holy and righteous and submissive and obedient to God. This is what Mary did, you see. Uh, And the words of the angel would change her life forever. And it would change the life of Joseph forever. For the time being, I would ask you to put yourselves into into the shoes of this 14-year-old girl who had been dedicated, effectively married to Joseph. And think of what she must have been thinking. How am I going to explain this to Joseph? How am I going to explain this to Joseph? When I tell him what really happened, what will he say? He'll never accept it. He'll never believe it. Yes, I am pregnant, but it's not what you think, Joseph. Well, God had that covered as well, you see, because God would speak independently through Gabriel to the angel. And we spoke about Joseph last week, and it's appropriate to speak about him again. He does not get the credit he deserves in the Christmas story. No doubt he was deeply in love with Mary. No doubt he had visions of a grand life together. Uh, and you know those, those engagements and those marriages would last a week. And all of it now is blown up in smoke. None of it is there. He did not want to see her publicly shamed. And he had the right to put her to death under Jewish law, which is what the, what the law called for, for, for adultery. But instead, he decided to put her away quietly, divorce her quietly, so that she would not be shamed and he would move on with his life. But God spoke directly to Joseph through the angel of Gabriel uh, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 on the board. But after he had considered this, that's Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. In great humility, submission, and faith. This was all Joseph needed to hear. He would be with Mary and Jesus for the rest of his life. What a great man. Imagine that. He immediately knew. He accepted the word of God. He said, I will be with them. I will protect them. I will be her husband. I will be his father. I will go wherever they need to be, and I will be with them every step of their way. The sermon point for you here is this. There's another lesson here for us in the life of Mary and Joseph. When God blesses a person and uses him or her, there is often a price to pay. There's often a price to pay, you see, when God pours extraordinary blessings in your life. Why is that? Well, it's because society repudiates it. It's also because Satan despises it. And now you have a target on your back, you see, as the blessings of God are poured into your life. And that's the same with Mary and Joseph. They would live for the balance of their life with vicious rumors about the birth of Jesus, that he had been born out of wedlock. 
That's what they talked about. That's what they gossiped about. That's what the Pharisees spoke about. And so although she was a holy and pure woman, there were always rumors about the birth of Jesus. And you find this in Scripture as well. Later on in the Lord's ministry, some Pharisees threw the old rumors back in his face where they said, quote, we are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. This was equivalent to saying to Jesus, well, at least we weren't conceived out of wedlock like you. Incredibly, Mary and Joseph had to go through life with that kind of slander and gossip over themselves facing that. Uh, and, and you see, yet they did it with dignity and grace because this was a small price to pay for the incredible privilege of raising the Son of God. You can imagine Mary every day of her life looking into the face of Jesus as a baby and just wondering what God had done. What was his idea for humanity? And you see this significant lesson for us, even as they walked when they didn't really know. Mary didn't know what she was facing. Joseph didn't know what he was facing. But they walked in submission and humility. And so what we understand is as Christians, it's not always a rose garden, right? The Christian life is not always a rose garden in perfume. There are difficult times. There are difficult days. Uh, there's issues, whether it's relationships or financial or health issues. We all face those issues. And yet we walk in submission and obedience, not clearly seeing the future, but walking in faith. And so the sermon point for you here is this. Mary understood the scriptures well. She understood them well. The angel spoke two messianic prophecies from Isaiah that many religious Jews knew also as well. They were expecting the Messiah to come, and they knew these prophecies had to come to pass. And so when the angel said them, they ignited her heart and she understand the truthfulness of it. Let me examine through this sermon point the key statements of the angel. You will be with child. You will give birth to a son named Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. He will have the throne of his father, David. He will reign forever over the house of Jacob. His kingdom will never end. But I am a virgin. This is impossible. Well, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And to prove this, your old cousin Elizabeth is now pregnant in her old age. Uh, now she understood. It was all scriptural. It spoke to her heart. This is why you have to know the Bible, because God will speak to you, and you'll get confirmation from the Bible. That's why we read and study the Bible. The second part of Gabriel's announcement came from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and it's effectively Handel used this in the Messiah. It's one of my favorite musical passages of all time. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. 
He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Ladies and gentlemen, that is right from the mouth of God. If you have any doubt about whether Jesus Christ is the Son of God, read those words. Those words were uttered 750 years before Christ would be warned. And yet, they're as truthful and as resonant today as they were when they were first quoted. Now, the angel of the Lord did this, quoted these Old Testament prophecies in order to convince Mary because he knew that Mary would understand it, that it would resonate in her heart. Well, the fact that the angel said that she would, over, she would be overshadowed with the Holy Spirit, I'm sure that gave her comfort because she knew that the people of Israel were overshadowed. That was the word that was used as they came out of Egypt, as they walked through the wilderness, God overshadowed them with his pillar of cloud and the fire. And they would be overshadowed by God. And so she knew this as a Jewish woman. That would bring comfort to her as an Israelite to think of the fact that God would do that for her. And so here's the important drill of this message today. And that is the virgin birth. I want to emphasize to you the importance of the virgin birth. I want you to leave here having this locked in your heart. I want you to leave here knowing that if you come across people that don't understand it, that you drill this home. There is no Christian faith without the virgin birth. And I'm about to explain why. It is a foundational principle. The sermon point today is that Mary and Joseph had absolute faith in the virgin birth. It is a foundational principle of what we stand for. Mary understood the prophecy of the virgin birth, even if she did not understand how it would take place. She knew the verses. She also had absolute and perfect faith in it, as did Joseph. And so today, you must also have absolute faith in the virgin birth of Jesus in order to be a Christian. Uh, and there are th solid theological reasons why this is so. Uh, and let me explain it to you in detail. Uh, because of the manner of his conception, a virgin birth, Jesus did not inherit the sinful nature of humanity. He was the sinless son of God who became the lamb of God who would be sacrificed for the sins of the world. You see, the, the sinless sacrifice had to be Jesus, and the only way he could be sinless, cut off from the sin nature, is to be born with a, from, from a virgin implanted with the seed of God. Now, without a sinless Christ, you see, there is no atonement. And if you want to understand how important atonement is, when you go home, pick up Leviticus chapter 16 and see what the Jews had to do to atone on the high holy days. Without atonement, you see, there is no forgiveness. Without forgiveness, you understand, there's no hope of heaven. Without a hope of heaven, there is really no hope in life in this world. Uh, and, and if you doubt the virgin birth, you have to doubt the truthfulness of God's word. 
You're saying you don't believe the truthfulness of God's word. Uh, where it says plainly that Jesus was born of a virgin. Now, if you doubt the virgin birth, you also have to question the character of Mary. If her conception was not, in fact, supernatural, she was immoral, and Jesus was born out of wedlock. If there were no virgin birth, then Jesus was a mere man and not a savior at all. As you see, just as Mary and Joseph understood clearly at the first Christmas, the virgin birth is central to everything we stand for. There is no Christmas without the virgin birth. There is no Christianity without the virgin birth. And so as hard as it is for us to wrap our minds around this truth, Jesus was born to die. From the very moment he was in the cradle, he was born to die. The shadow of the cross hung over him, even in the cradle. When he was a little older, the Magi from the east came to visit him, coming out of the school of Daniel in the, in the far east, bringing gifts of gold, uh, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, and the question is that many people say, why myrrh? Why would they bring myrrh? Well, here's the important reason. Myrrh was an embalming element. How about that? They knew. Why would the wise men travel 800 miles to bring this child such a gift? They did because they had the spiritual discernment to know that this child was destined to die for the sins of humanity. They knew it. And that's why they bought and gave him this embalming gift. Uh, and so they did that. Christ was destined to die for the sins of humanity. Now, here's an equally important part of this story. Eight days following uh, the birth of Jesus, as the Jewish custom was in those days, the baby was presented and consecrated to the Lord. Now, Mary learned there from Simeon that his life, that is the life of Jesus, would cause, quote, the falling and rising of many in Israel and would be spoken against. Can you imagine? The gift of God, the Son of God, will be responsible for the falling and rising of many in Israel. What do you think the mother thought when she heard that? Trying to understand what's taking place here. This is the gift of God. And then the next verse says as follows, even so a sword would pierce her heart as well. A sword would pierce my heart. Why would a sword pierce my heart? Because you're going to be heartbroken when you see the way your son will be crucified. Uh, and you'll be heartbroken when you see the way his people would reject him. Imagine if you would, being a 14-year-old girl uh, and hearing in pain this kind of prophecy and looking into the eyes of the baby and seeing the eyes of God and yet knowing the rejection would come. Now think about the act of submission and obedience to God, knowing all this. And now you see, as life goes on, as we see about Mary, uh, the real Mary, as her traits develop 
over a lifetime after the Christmas story. It is a story about faith, struggling and learning as it grows until it comes to terms with what God is doing. Listen, here's an important fact. Nobody has perfect faith on day two of your Christian life. Nobody. The rest of your life is involved in in strengthening that faith and fortifying that faith, walking in submission and obedience. And I'm sure that was the case of Mary in every way. We know the story of when they lost Joseph when he was 12. They brought him down there. Don't you think that was a test of her faith? All right, as they had left him and they, and they lost him? Don't you think when they had the marriage of Canaan and she prods Jesus like any good Jewish mother would do? Jesus, they ran out of wine. Oh, mom, you have no idea what the call on my life is. I'm not here to just provide wine. I'm here to serve my father. But yet he bowed in submission and took care of his mother. Each one of these incidents is a building block of faith as her faith is growing. Yes, this 14-year-old girl is walking in every possible way. It's a process, you see, that sometimes takes a veritable lifetime. And that's the lesson for us. It's a lifetime of walking with him. Yet it would be years of walking and understanding the true nature of salvation and the mission of Jesus before she could really understand what God had done. Look, there's a couple of important faith lessons here for you. The first is be prepared to be used by God. Be prepared. Give your body a holy, acceptable worship, a sacrifice. And as you do that, be prepared to be used by God. Second, put your faith in God. Every step of your life, every day of your life, I know you can't see. You don't understand. Why am I suffering? Why am I persecuted? But be prepared to put your faith in God. And he will recognize that. And finally, live your life as a servant of the Lord. Live your life, Lord. Let it be so. I am your servant. I love that. I've tried to incorporate that in my own prayer life. Lord, let it be so. I am your servant. Use me, Lord, as you would have me. Use me. Look, this is a paradigm for us today. God has selected each and every one of you in this church Uh, for some task in the kingdom of God. I don't know. It's between you and the Lord. He has given us each different gifts and different talents, and he's called us to use those gifts for his purpose. Now, we might not get the message directly from the angel Gabriel, but he's implanted the Holy Spirit in your heart, and that's effectively better than the angel Gabriel. It's a direct connection from God. He's residing in your heart. Be prepared to hear from him. Do you bow before the throne of God in grateful supplication? Do you bow? Have you made your life a living sacrifice? Do you say yes to the Lord when you're prodded? When when God speaks to you, do you say yes or do you go, well, uh, I don't know. That doesn't seem right. It's not good. Instead, you need to be able to say, yes, Lord, I will. Yes, I will step out. Do do not ignore the pricks and prodding of the Spirit. Ask God 
to anoint your spirit today so that it becomes effectively a radio receptacle, ready to receive the words of God, ready to step out just like this 14-year-old girl did, and it changed the world forever. You know, uh, I recently read an article that said that to Protestants, Mary is marginal. Marginal. Well, you know what? I'm going to repeat the words of my father who spoke uh, from the pulpit 50 years ago, and he said this. You know, the problem with Protestants is this. The Catholics revere Mary too much, and we don't revere her enough. Amen, church. That's essentially the heart of the message today, understanding the great character of this woman and how it changes our Christian faith forever. Let's bow our heads in prayer and ask God to seal this message. Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the words that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for the Christmas story that never gets old and the lessons from this dear young woman who bowed in submission to you and as a result, Lord, had the greatest gift that any human being would ever have, the privilege to bear and raise your son, Jesus Christ. Yes, there were pains. Yes, there was persecution. Yes, there would be suffering, but in the end, Lord, you used her, you elevated her, and she serves as a mighty example today what each and every one of us should be. Lord, I pray that our hearts and minds are touched by this message. I pray that this week really causes us to reflect on that gift. I pray that you prepare us, Father, for Christmas Eve as we come together again as a church to celebrate and worship you and to put all of this in the precious name of of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.